Let Me Google That is sponsored by Water Cooler Trivia. And I am really excited about this because I'm actually able to have like a pre-roll ad that is something that I know about and like and really feel like will be a huge hit with people who listen to this show because we are all kind of of the same ilk. Like we are all people who got the weird factoid books at the elementary school book fair and we never miss an episode of Jeopardy and we love the old Reddit TILs. So I really think they create weekly trivia games that are designed for companies who basically are looking for a way to have fun and help their employees feel a little bit less stressed out and more connected. So it's very cool because they make these really clever games that everybody can play on their own time and then they automatically get the results. If you want a trivia quiz that is only about like warehouse conveyor systems or owls or 90s pop culture, that is exactly what you are going to get. I don't know, I just feel like this is something that those of you who listen to the show will actually really enjoy. Go on and say hello at watercoolertrivia.com. Check it out, give it a try, and tell Eli and the team. I've had some periods of relative economic stability in my life, but not that many. And now is not one of them. And I've never really been able to give up my price comparing, freely couponing shopping strategy. Which on the one hand is a good thing because I do save money, but I also tend to kind of lean toward the type of stinginess that will only cost you money in the long run. In other words, you buy cheap shit when you really should be investing in something more expensive because it will last longer. But I am by no means an aggressive or extreme couponer like that show on TLC <laughs> that I maybe was watching earlier this week. Uh, but recently I have become a little more organized about it, just kind of out of necessity. And so recently I was actually running some errands and not really feeling well and kind of laboring over all of the price comparisons. And suddenly I was just like, why am I even doing this? And like, why does anybody do it? And also, how is it even possible that we do this? Like, what even is couponing? And I had this realization, like standing in the soup aisle, that I didn't have any idea how coupons actually work. And so here we are talking about couponing. <laughs> I mean, I had a rough idea of how it would make sense that they could work, but I have to admit that I was quite surprised by the degree of nuance that's involved, despite the fact that I was, for a time, in high school, a grocery cashier. But even then, I did not realize exactly what the protocol was for handling them, nor how much work it invariably is for somebody, which is proof of concept of the whole no free lunch thing, because what makes your life easier or cheaper must have or eventually will make somebody else's life more difficult or at the very least inconvenient. But I mean, anything for a dollar off a two-pack of Mr. Clean Magic Erasers, am I right? Hashtag not spons. So it turns out that couponing actually can be traced back to a very specific person working at a very specific and very well-known brand. A brand that, had it not been for this genius marketing hack, may well not have become the megalith that it is today. In 1886, a beverage-making company that you might be familiar with incorporated itself as the Coca-Cola Company, with a man named Asa Candler at the head of it. When the drink first entered the market, there was nothing particularly exciting or extraordinary about it, and its syrup form had been used medicinally for some time, and my guess here is that people probably associated it with being like a stomach cure-all, and they weren't exactly running out to buy it to just, you know, like, drink it for fun. Initial sales not quite being what he'd hoped, Candler basically started giving it away. 
he mailed out these redeemable coupons that customers could take to a soda fountain shop, and then they would get a free glass bottle of Coke to try. Now, the hope was that if people could try it out without spending money, they would get hooked on it and then start buying it. And that's kind of how it worked. Between 1894 and 1913, the promotion apparently resulted in around one in every nine Americans getting a free bottle of Coke. Now, other companies, seeing how successful this was, uh, such as like Post Cereals, started also using the coupon idea to promote their products. By 1940, the concept of providing coupons to incentivize customers to buy specific products expanded when newly established big box or chain grocery stores started handing them out in hopes that people would come to do their shopping at the chain store rather than their local neighborhood grocer. By the mid-1960s, couponing had become a fact of life for approximately half of American families. Now, the psychology of couponing is fairly obvious when you stop to think about it. Basically, they target price-conscious consumers. In other words, people who are already thinking about how much certain things will cost and are likely shopping around for the best prices out of necessity. They're already motivated to compare prices to save money because they have to or for whatever reason they just really want to. I think some people probably think about it as sport, but for me, it's literally always been, I only have so much money to spend on groceries. How can I get the most for the amount of money that I have? Now, people who do not fall into this category for whatever reason, who are not especially price conscious, aren't really of interest to marketing folks designing promotions because they're not as likely to engage with them, especially if they have to deal with physical coupons. Now, economically, this creates something called price discrimination, which can even be targeted to markets where competition is steep. Stores and companies then can use promos or coupons to offer lower prices to customers that they want to retain because they know that these people would go elsewhere to buy a product, even if it was less convenient, if it was going to cost them less. If it was going to cost them less. The difference between going to their local grocery store or driving 20 extra minutes to go to Walmart because they know something will cost less there. Of course, once consumers are in this web, stores can increase the price of products overall, which people who are not price conscious will pay, to sort of offset the costs for discounting and then incentivizing and retaining the price conscious customers. And then they get reimbursed for coupons from the manufacturer, but more on that later. In the beginning, coupons were primarily in magazines or booklets or something you would get in the mail. And it would be many, many decades before there'd be any kind of like digital option. Cutting or clipping coupons then is the verbiage that we use to discuss the collection of them. And in many cases, even today, they are actually still provided in hard copy form. Now there are two types of coupons though, and they can be delivered the same way and look more or less the same, but how they work for you in the store is different. So you can think of couponing as either happening kind of at the store level or local level, and then at the manufacturer level, which can ultimately be the nationwide level. So coupons and promotions at your local store are only good for that store, and perhaps are very specific deals, say on deli ham. But manufacturer coupons come from the company and are distributed in the mail or elsewise to a wide swath of customers all over the country, and they can be used for a specific product at one of many locations where that product might be sold. So essentially think of it as being coupons that are store specific and coupons that are product specific. So let's say that you get a coupon for a dollar off a bag of a particular brand of pretzels that you like. 
The coupon has come directly from the manufacturer and can be used whether you buy the bag at your local grocery store or you grab them when you're at Walmart. Now, sometimes coupons from the manufacturer will have restrictions or limitations. So they can't be combined with another deal. They can't be used for a product that's already on sale. They can only be used at certain retailers. It has to be used by a certain date and so on. So therefore you're always gonna wanna check on that first. But let's say you just get a bag of your favorite pretzels the next time you're at your local grocery store. Now, when you get to the checkout, you hand the coupon to the cashier. In this exchange, the coupon is essentially working like cash. So when the cashier scans it, if everything goes well, in other words, all the criteria for redeeming the deal are met, and this information is contained in the barcode, which it runs against the point of sale software to check that it's valid, the monetary value of that coupon will be deducted from your total. Now, when you leave the store, pretzels in hand, the coupon itself, if it was a physical one, which as I said, many of them still are, goes either into a bag or maybe a specific drawer at the register, depending on how that particular store chooses to keep them organized. At the end of the day, the cashier usually has to tally them up and then make note of their dollar value amount, which is then added to the drawer's overall total to make sure that everything adds up. From there, the accounted for coupons get stuffed into a bag or some other receptacle and then handed off to whomever is dealing with them and we'll check them and see where they need to be mailed off to, which I'm guessing is probably an accountant. Most places don't send their coupons back to the individual manufacturer though. They're actually sent off to clearing houses that will take all the coupons from retailers and deal with them and then take a cut of the money for their efforts. And it is a lot of effort because the workers who are employed by these clearing houses most often process these coupons, millions of them by hand. They're separated out by manufacturer first, and also there are often coupons that become torn or otherwise damaged and therefore not so legible, and these must be grouped together separately to be handled sort of case by case by a human and not just fed into some kind of computer so that they can be included in the total that will get reimbursed to the store that sent them in. When all of the coupons for a specific manufacturer have been grouped together, they get sent in by the clearinghouse along with an invoice for the total worth. Now the manufacturer will pay the postage, which is nice, I guess, and then sends the check back to the clearinghouse, which may have already accounted for whatever their cut is, and then the rest gets sent back to the store that sent in the coupons that they collected from their customers. Phew. Now, while the payoff might be immediate for you, it's not for the store. The time that you hand the coupon to the cashier to when the store gets reimbursed for your dollar ends up taking about a month. Now, as I mentioned before, manufacturer coupons are more about getting people to try and ultimately buy products, whereas store coupons or promotions are more about getting people to shop at a particular location. And then there's the whole issue of like who pays sales tax. So depending on who sponsors the coupon, the retailer or the manufacturer, the customer might end up having to pay sales tax or maybe they won't. When a coupon is issued by a manufacturer, they'll factor in the product's original price and sales tax, some of which is covered by the manufacturer because the product is still taxable at its full price. But when your local grocery offers a coupon for a product, that product wasn't being offered at full price to begin with, it was discounted, and so the reduction is in both the price and the sales tax. But generally speaking, I don't think folks tend to get too wrapped up in this when they're couponing in practice. I mean, I'm price conscious, but I don't think that I'm like that price conscious, though I'm guessing 
the folks on Extreme Couponing would absolutely care about and probably know the ins and outs of this aspect of it. But anyway, it's a little more nuanced than I think is necessary here. And while they and that may represent the more extreme end of the couponing spectrum, couponing in general is not like a rare thing. It's not like nobody coupons and probably more people that you know coupon than you like realize, especially now that so much of it can be achieved pretty effortlessly with online digital coupons or with apps. So think things like promo codes. In 2015, 2.4 billion paper coupons and 63 million digital coupons were redeemed in the US according to Inmar, which is one of these firms that processes them. So even if you don't live or die by the only F word in this house is full price, if you've got a coupon in hand for something that you're actually going to buy anyway, I mean, you might as well use it. <laughs> 